This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worst. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making the truth journey a reality. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. I remember, when you subscribe, you're essentially upgrading your mind. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. The one great question for humanity has always been, where do we come from? Great minds have wrestled with this since the dawn of consciousness, and various theories have been produced, some enduring and others not. Science has certain ideas, and religions others, but none are conclusive, nor universally accepted. The honest truth is that no one really has a definitive answer. The Bible speaks of fallen angels, and even giants, seating the daughters of men, and other ancient texts carry similar sayings. For the greater part of the history of humanity, the keepers of such thoughts and knowledge have tended to be a small sector of the population in positions of power, mainly political and religious, and in more recent times, scientific. But thanks to the free flow of information, first through books 
And now the internet with alternative shows like Veritas from all over the planet are available to challenge the powers that want to be. From being the controllers of our right to know and think freely as sovereign people. And for this and much more, our special guest is Dr. Rita Louise. Coming up right now on Veritas. Soul healer, Dr. Rita Louise, PhD, is a naturopathic physician, the founder of the Institute of Applied Energetics and the host of Just Energy Radio, author of the books, Dark Angels, Avoiding the Cosmic 2x4, The Power Within, and the latest, Man-Made, The Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods. Dr. Louise grew up in a haunted house, but that is not where her interactions with ghosts, spirits, and attached entities ended. Over the years, she has worked with countless clients who have been affected by attached entities and has helped eliminate them from their lives. To learn more about Dr. Louise's work and even her radio show, visit her website at soulhealer.com. And directly from Richardson, Texas, I would like to welcome Dr. Rita Louise to Veritas. Hello, Dr. Louise, and welcome. How are you? I am great, Mel. How are you? I am fantastic, and I'm so glad to finally, and I call this probably the continuation of the nice conversation we had last year. You and I attended a conference, and there were so many people there that we we couldn't just uh, expand what we were talking about. So I'm glad that you finally made it over to Veritas. And I am just so glad to get to be with you because the little conversation we did have was great. And I get two whole hours, just you and me. Absolutely. You're the most important person in my life for the next two hours. So I'm glad that (laughs) we're here. Anyway, I have learned a lot about you in the past few days since you sent me your book. Tell me first, for those who may not know who you are, tell me more about you. Who is Rita Louise? How do you come into into these topics growing up? Well, it's very interesting. In most families, you're required to do chores in order to get your allowance. In our family, we were required to read a book. And I was never interested in Nancy Drew or, you know, I don't even know what kids read. You know, today it would probably be like Twilight series. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. And I found myself drawn to the archaeology and anthropology area in the library where I pretty much read all of those books. And then I got fascinated with the concept of ESP and started studying information about that kind of at the same time in in eighth grade. We had to do a, you know, this is what I want to do when I grow up uh, project for our final exam And I wanted to be an archaeologist, but we had to find out about the educational parts of it. And they said you had to have a Ph.D. if you really wanted to do anything in archaeology. So I so I let it go, because in eighth grade, who wants to think about getting a Ph.D.? I didn't. And so I became interested in in the concept of ESP. And at that time, there was a TV show called The Amazing Kreskin, and he was a mentalist and had ESP and another show called The Sixth Sense, which was a kind of a crime solving kind of show where the uh, main character of the show had ESP and he would use it to 
solve murder mysteries. And so he would go into a room and like touch something, pick up a glass and he would see uh, Mary and she gets into her car. And, you know, of course, they always drive down Highway 1 in California, which is very windy. And there's a steep cliff off into the ocean and her car goes off the cliff. But he runs outside just in time to stop her to find out that her brake lines had been cut. Ooh. And so I decided that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be psychic. And I studied for years thinking that if I became enlightened, I would be psychic, which didn't happen. And I'm not going to give you the whole rest of the psychic story, but it started me down this path of studying esoteric knowledge, esoteric traditions. I'm very well versed in the workings of the chakras. I've studied Kabbalah. And so when Shows like Ancient Aliens came on TV or more interest in that archaeology area came on TV. I was just I was sucked in, Mel, just sucked right in. Not that I necessarily believed at that time that there were ancient aliens, but just the whole concept of revisiting the idea of antiquity You know, and I was already used to reading these dry, boring, dusty books that no one else read anyway. Um, And so I just dove in and got involved. And thus, the outcome was this man-made, the Chronicles of Our Extraterrestrial Gods book. And as I'm reading the book, I'm I'm just going back in time and remembering growing up. I mean, having met an archaeologist when I was very young, and a lot of what I kept hearing didn't seem to fit within the the box, if you will, and, and, and within the book. You know, I grew up a Roman Catholic, and, and it seems that when we always say, step out, outside the box, in that time, it was more step outside the book. And it was very difficult because I was always grabbed to be put back inside that book or inside that box. And looking at your book and looking at all these all these researchers ancient and ancient aliens as well, we hear a lot of, of 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 mythology. The word mythos, which by the way, you probably know that it's it's a it's completely misunderstood in today's society. When in, in reality, it means that it's a, an affidavit of accuracy in history signed by priests and kings. So I wonder how much of our history has been mythologized. And we need to de-mythologize it. What's your opinion of that? Oh, I think that there is so much truth in mythology. I mean, you know, are the names changed and the details a little bit distorted? Mm, probably. <clears throat> but even when we look at the book, um, is that a 100% accurate description of Jesus's life and times? We have four different books and they tell four kind of different stories. And I think mythology falls into that same category. And it also, since we're now talking about Jesus, why is it that we portray him as, you know, white, blue-eyed, when he was in a region of the world where that was probably not to be found? At the same time, some of his disciples, you know, all these names, Matthew, John, Peter, those were not names from that area. Why do you think that was changed or concocted? Well, I mean, they were definitely westernized and brought more into contemporary society to make it be more relevant to the people and the population of the different groups. I mean, one of my biggest things and <laughs> some of the things that I say, some people say I'm, I'm a bit of a blasphemer, but 
oops, oh well. Um, I think that uh, Paul, you know, Simon Paul, he sold it. I think that if he had not come along, that Jesus would have just remained an obscure individual who had a messianic complex that lived in the Middle East, or they would be some obscure cult of Jewish tradition. But I don't think it would have become this worldwide revolution that it has become today. And how about the image of Jesus? Why why do we see it in, in a way that chances are he didn't look like that? I don't know. And it's really hard to dig back far enough, that, you know, the what do I want to say? You know, early, early representations of Jesus kind of have him look the same. And so where it went from what he really looked like to this idealized image, I have no idea. And I don't know that anyone's actually tried to trace that back to find like the earliest representation or if there were early representations. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you really think about it, it probably wasn't until Christianity was accepted as uh, the religion of the Roman Empire that anyone actually decided to draw a picture of him because they were all hiding in secret. And, you know, they just use their little fish symbol to represent Christianity, but they didn't use Jesus's face. You know, they use little symbols. And also, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, the oral tradition. Uh, even at that time, the the writings after Jesus was died didn't start until what fifty years after. So, if you and I, Rita, witness an event today and tell the people, but we don't write it until fifty years later, is there a possibility that the information may be changed? Uh, you know, the grapevine effect, exaggerations. Uh, in summary, can you trust the information if it's written 50 years or more later after the event, the event happened? I'm referring to the New uh, Testament of the Bible, of course. I think, you know, again, that there are grains of truth. Um, okay, so just to share this with you, Mel, so I went to Catholic school, except my dad is Jewish. And so, you know, we got this little Jewish cultural thing going on. Sure. And you tell the story, there's the story of Jesus feeding, you know, the the masses with what two loaves of bread and five fish, five fish, two loaves of bread, not that much food, you know, but in a nice Jewish way, they had a little nosh. Uh, <laughs> and, but that story was... You know, if you just take that one story, it's kind of like, you know, it started out with a little bit of fish. The crowd wasn't that big. And now we're talking about an amphitheater full of food, people with enough food to go around for everybody. And I think anybody that is telling a story is going to somewhat sensationalize it as time goes on, because you have this core and it's going to change and it's going to grow and it's going to they're going to want to have more impact with the story. Mm hmm. Exactly. And how much of the Greek mythology do you think may be real? I think quite a bit. Um, one of the things that we did in Man-Made, <clears throat> excuse me, was surveyed mythology from around the world. And the stories that were included, we wanted to find more than one culture that reported the same story. 
And if it was the Greeks and the Sumerians, you know, they were kind of close by proximity. And so the story could have originally been a Sumerian story and moved into Greek tradition. But if we found the story in Greek tradition and then found the same story coming out of South America, that added a lot more credibility to both accounts, not just the Greeks and not just the South Americans, but to both accounts. One of the things that you find is that the ancient chronologers uh, of Spain, when they went into South America, they were, one, astonished by their stories and and couldn't believe them. And the way that they would report their findings, you know, or what they would hear, and I'm just seeing if I can find, there's a couple of quotes that uh, are kind of hysterical to me. Well, maybe not, maybe not in this moment, but, um, you know, but even to them, they had believability issues. Oh, here we go. According to the most certain and true opinion, there could not have been inhabitants in this land before the universal deluge, for it is certain that all men sprang from our father, Adam, and that in the period between Adam and Noah, so wide a disbursement could not have taken place. How is it possible that these Indians can have any knowledge of the deluge? Which does two things. It tells you that, one, the Spanish chroniclers didn't really believe what they said, and two, they the Indians didn't take on the Spanish story. It was their story originally. You see, there are two things here. We hear of the indigenous people who could not see the the ships coming. Only the elder or the elders could see it because the people had no conception of that. Couldn't the same thing be said of the conquistadors who came down and heard all these stories, not only in South America, but in, in the Caribbean and, and, and even, even in what's now North America. And they heard, as a matter of fact, let me just read from, from your foreword, uh, written by our mutual friend, uh, a respected researcher, Brian Forster. He says that many indigenous tribes, through oral tradition, speak of the seeding of life on the planet. Again, they had no conception of this. And as you say, and this is something really interesting, the the uh, uh, the, the exact time when we were, uh, when things started, the date, October 23rd, 4004 BC at 9 a.m. And you think, okay, why is this date important? Earth was created, but there was no carbon dating. And why do people simply take it for granted that someone with a, a robe or a uniform says that and we have to believe it? I have absolutely no idea. There Now, one thing I do find interesting is that, you know, we talk about like the Mayan calendar and that was that this last cycle started in um, 3,114 BC. And then in Hindu tradition, uh, Krishna left the earth in 3,100 BC. And in Judaism, their calendar starts, and I'm going to hope I get the right date here, 3,762, 52, 3,700 BC. What I find interesting is we have three different traditions that are talking about this date, almost that 4,004 BC, not so close, but close enough. Um, 
in Judaism, that was the date of the creation of the earth. In South, in Mesoamerica, the Maya, they talk about uh, the planting of the three hearth stones and it being a creation event. One of the things that I went looking for and could not find, or I would have loved to have included it in the book, was what happened. What made multiple cultures think that life started over again? Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.